the big sip. All right, all right, all right, y'all. It is so exciting for me here, Gabriela, on The Big Sit, bringing to you another episode, this time with someone who is literally a rock star. I mean, I don't know how else to put it, but this person is involved in everything. As I was getting started and and I was going to start to think about how I wanted to introduce this individual, I was like, well, I can't call him a chef because yes, he is. And that's what he does. And he opens up so many amazing businesses, but he's not just that. He also is ensuring that we're creating pipelines for the next generation of people of color, primarily Latinos, because that is literally what he's all about amplifying the Latino voice. So I'm just going to call him what it is, which is just greatness, just dopeness, uh, which he certainly loves to embody. It is my absolute pleasure to be introducing y'all to Armando Jose Tam. (laughs) Gabriela, what's going on? (laughs) What's going on? It's an honor to be here. And it's even a better story how we met. So thank you for, you know, breaking bread with me today. It is a better story how I met. How do we meet? Let's, how, how, how did it go down? I think we met on Instagram. <laughs> we did meet Right on off Instagram. the bat, if someone had that soundbite, they'd be like, okay, where are they going with this, right? Yeah. <laughs> but no, we met, we met through Instagram. And like I've always said, Instagram, social media, you got to find the good in it, which prompted that, you know, question from you. But I, I always say you got to find the good in it because it's a necessary evil it's like tres leches, right? You can't eat it every day, <laughs> but you enjoy it. So we connect on Instagram and, you know, I, I, I use it for the right reasons. I use it for a Networking. voice. Mm-hmm. I use it for a voice and I use it to, you know, research people. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I seen the work that you've done and what you advocate for, what you stand for, the lifestyle, and, you know, you find that and you just got to you got to connect. And that's exactly why I was 100 percent so stoked to meet you, because as you and I were talking, I was just like, wow, like this guy is so aligned with everything that I'm so passionate about. I mean, I'm not going to lie too. I was also surprised that I was meeting someone named Armando Jose Tam. Hold on, hold on, hold Six, three Chinese y guapo. You're like, OK. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm Espanol. We're talking about a yeah. six foot three Chinese Nicaraguense. And I'm just like, yo, how did your parents meet? <laughs> yeah. Hey, you know, again, my grandfather's left China at a very young age. You know, we're, we're dating back to, you know, the first waves of communism in China. So they had left at a young age. Their parents sent them over to Nicaragua. Yeah, ahí se conocieron. Yeah, you know, están las abuelas, and uh, so my Hasta mother. Tiene fa- el acento nicaragüense. Oh yeah, straight up, orgullo. <laughs> um, so you know, my mom and dad, they're from Nicaragua. Yo nací en Nicaragua y me vine aquí a la, a la juventud, and I was raised here in the Bay Area, proud from the Bay. From the Bay. Mm -hmm. And that's where so much of, again, like I said, I can't boil down what you do to one thing. You really are involved in so many different industries and so many different opportunities. But what you stand for is amplifying that Latino voice. Does a lot of that come from your upbringing? and, And is any of that, I'm sure it is, inspired by your family and their story and what they were able to build? I didn't go to college. And my mom is a college graduate, so she would always say, hijo, anda al colegio, anda al colegio, anda al estudio, you know, to make something of yourself. You got to mm-hmm. understand, they, they come from Nicaragua against their will, you know, the, the revolution, and uh, to another country, to learn a language, to learn a custom, to raise three boys. Mm-hmm. And so at a young age, you know, I remember when most kids would get allowance, because I would, now I'm starting to compare 
the white kids or my white friends to my upbringing, mm-hmm. right? But mm-hmm. they only had like five in their household. We always had 10 or 12. Yeah. Como somos Latinos. Multiple you know? tía, generational. Yeah. Well, that's the word for it now. Back then it was just. Aquí hey, aquí tía, mi prima, straight up. <laughs> All I know is we have bunk beds and another bed in one room, you know, with my brothers in, in, in a small room. But my mom always instilled in me you know, uh, a good work ethic, mm-hmm. discipline. She wouldn't give me an allowance. She would make me work for it. Mm-hmm. So I would always, before I want to go do something on the weekend, I'd have to do my chores. Right. Doesn't matter what we did. We always had to be up in the morning because we grew up poor. And, or I don't want to say poor, but we grew up basically, you know, kind of with challenges. And so we'd yeah. wake up on Saturday and Sundays. We didn't have a washer and dryer. She'd wake us up to either on Saturday go do laundry before it got sunny or more people showed up. I remember she, I, we'd hate it. She'd open up the windows and be like, mom, it's cold. <laughs> It's like six in the morning. No, es que para que esté fresco todo el día porque hoy viene calor, right? Oh, so, gosh, I've heard that yeah, one too many exactly. times. Exactly. <laughs> and, then, and then on the Sundays, we would be making nakatamales because my mother would sell that, even though she was an insurance firm executive. Because she came, you know, she came here at a young age, learned English, and went back to Nicaragua. Mm. My father, on the other hand, was more blue-collar. Bombero, karateka, you know. I, I mentioned my mom in the beginning because she had a lot of my upbringing, a lot to do with my early success mm. or work ethic. Mm-hmm. My father later, mm-hmm. and it's so so. It turns around. So, anyways, we came to this country, and um, to hard work, responsible. I got into working at Price Club Costco. So she always told me. I think she probably knew when she hears this, she's gonna say, "Uh, uh-uh, don't say that. you're embarrassing me." <laughs> I think she probably knew I wasn't going to go to college or I probably didn't have the chance to go to college because I started working and she says, work somewhere where you can fall back on in case you don't go to school, which you would break my heart if you Mm. did. So I did. I worked at Price Club Costco. So you got to understand, 16 years old, I wasn't working at the mall. My friends had the cool jobs, the movies, the, you know, the, the, the retail shops, but I worked at Price Club Costco. So at 16, I was already learning how to work with 40 to 50 year old people. Mm-hmm. So I grew up quick. I learned productivity. I moved up with the company. And then after that, my best friend, Max, who's like my brother says to me, listen, you got to get out of here. I'm like, what do you mean? We got, we get paid well. I mean, you're 16, 17 years old. We're paying like, you know, close to hundred grand at the time. Yeah. You're like, we're living like millionaires. Right? What's but, better than this? And exactly what he says is we make enough because we live at home. But once you're in the mm-hmm. real world, it ain't shit. Mm-hmm. Excuse my language. Right. So he put that in my head. And so I moved on um, to corporate gigs. You got to understand, like, I'm cool. You must think I'm cool on social media. But I, at one point, didn't know, didn't know how to turn on a computer. <laughs> you know, so I got a job over at, um, you know, back then, the transition of Wi-Fi. To make a long story short, in between that, you know, I got into salsa dancing. ¿Sabe bailar? I love culture. Are you kidding me? I'm, yeah, you know that. So, And everything I did was to be great. So I got to Costco Price Club. I moved up. I became, you know, higher up with the company. Um, I got into salsa dancing. I moved up. I got to perform with Will Smith on the Welcome to Miami. Oh, my goodness. Um, my mother used to have a job, but then she would also have her catering gig. So it was in me to always have separate businesses mm-hmm. because it was saving for a rainy day. Right. Hard work. I couldn't be lazy. So then I started working the nightclub scene, you know, and... Then I, I, my dad put me in martial arts at a young age. He didn't just make me go do it to stay out of trouble. He wanted me to get a black belt. You know, so not only could I. Oh, I, I saw you on Instagram the other day. You're like, I still got these moves, and I, I was impressed. Sure I still got it. Yeah, I want to make sure I still got <laughs> I it. I was like, he's gonna hit himself in a, a spot that's very sensitive, and you yeah, didn't. I didn't. I, I mean, I was a little sore the next day. Pero, pero, the point is, is like my mother taught me how to work, and my father said, if you're gonna do something, be great at it. 
And so the dancing led into performing and making a living off that. So you know you don't have an eight to five structure. So instead of being lazy, I watched cooking videos mm. on the Food Network. And um, I got inspired to learn how to cook. Then you get guinea pig friends. Then all of a sudden you're good at cooking. And then uh, totally I just, separate from your mom and to- everything that she did with her totally catering separate, company. Totally separate because at this time, you know, you're in your own world. You don't really listen to mom and dad. You're Facts. going out, you know, whatever. And so I got this passion for cooking, but I knew that you have to work. So I'm not just going to do it for fun. If mm-hmm. I, I always at a young age, I'm like, okay, if I'm going to dance salsa, can I make money off it? Mm-hmm. You know, if I'm going to cook, can I make money off it? And that's what I did. And then during the transition, I realized a lot when I was dancing that just as easy as I got the gig, I could take someone else's gig. And so it wasn't a career I want to pursue, but I maximized it. I mean, to be, you know, we we performed, hey, shout out to Brittany, Free Brittany. We performed at when she first came out with Oops, I Did It Again at the Wango Tango 2006. <laughs> so I, dope. I still remember her and Kobe Bryant walking it was mc hammer it was destiny's child i remember oh. i remember being at, at rehearsal and having you know destiny's child and cisco having a cup of ramen in between the rehearsals because we were with will and there was ricky martin uh but it was the only time and ever i will set uh foot at dodger stadium for wingo tango because <laughs> I'm, I'm a hardcore giants fan Gigantes. Mm-hmm. straight up so then that's what happened i just always wanted to be good if i i just it was a knack see the way i said i want to see if i can make some extra mm-hmm. money and it wasn't like I was money hungry. It's just that I love having the money to save. I loved having a bank account. I love being able to to buy certain things because mm-hmm. you know we grew up poor, and so instead of crying, I just you know I, my you mother, my solutions. father, yeah, and Max. Shout out to Max Thomas, you know, for for putting that responsibility in me. So, anyways, around that dancing period, I said I can't do this for a long time. So I got into real estate. I got into real estate. That's random out of all of those things. Like, yeah. why real estate? I don't, I don't have a good story. You know why? Because my friends who are dumber than me were making <laughs> a lot of money in it. And so I said, holy shit, I can make a lot of money in this by helping people. Mm. By being the translator that I was when my parents bought a house, mm. by helping people do that. Now, remember, at Price Club Costco, because you're young, you're a millennial, back in the days, there was two types of memberships, and there still is today. One is a citizen one, basically. The other one was a platinum business. A lot of Latinos had businesses, but they didn't have the right paperwork. So they didn't qualify for that membership. But me, I'm like, yo, tranquilo. Uh, I'll set it up. I'll approve it because I was a supervisor. Mm -hmm. So I can make exceptions. So all of a sudden I was approving all these Latinos to get these business accounts that they weren't eligible to get, but they should have gotten because they were business owners. You know, at the that's time. That's amazing. Exactly. And so that's how I, like, I started getting, a, like, I think back then is when I was like, money is money. Well, who cares what the color of the person is on the other side of the cashier? Right. And how can you help someone make more of it? I used to make Knowing it, that they damn well should be qualified to be making that yeah. money or getting that special back access then there or privilege. Was some, back then there were some barriers without it being called a barrier. And so that's was my passion was for helping because it became natural. You, you know, obviously I speak both languages. So I was doing that a lot. So when I got into real estate, it was very easy because I found that helping people buy a house it establishes community, it builds wealth, and it's a security for, you know, a family to be raised. So I got into real estate, 100%. and then I got involved with an organization, Sin Querer, you know, the National Association of Hispanic Real Estate Professionals. Shout out to Gary Acosta. And it's an organization where people like you and I are breaking bread, building businesses, educating the community, and 
you know, getting together. And uplifting that community. You got it. And remember what I said earlier, whatever I put my mind to, if I can't be great at it, I'm not going to do it. Because what you, one of the things that we talk about always is being purposeful. Mm. And I hate to sing this, say this, but if I die, I want to die doing everything I love. Mm-hmm. Not an eight to five that I don't like. 100%. And so I met that, org- I got involved with the organization. I volunteered. Ten years later, I'm an executive. And it's the largest mm-hmm. trade association that happens to be Latino. And so with that, you know, he always used to tell me, hey, the saying in in business is jack of all trades, master of none. And I was like, "Uh uh-uh, because it's like telling me not to do what I love. Right. And it wasn't confrontational. And I remember thinking life is a book. And if every chapter is the same, then that book sucks. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. And so we took a real estate organization and we just brought culture to it because he had vision. And so he said, hey, let me take your strengths. He's, he's my mentor, my brother, older brother. And, and in some in, in other businesses, we're partners, right? And so he, he was disciplined and said, I'm going to take the good in you. And we're going to apply this and, and see if we can, this works. And so I took my dancing to make sure we had music. Mm. Uh, I took my food to make sure we had the food and the culture. And so all of a sudden we create, you know, it, it just, it blossomed. And then he gave me the confidence that anything I apply my mind to, there's some pretty good opportunity upside financially. Right. And so then I'm doing that for 10 years. And then recently, last three years, you know, I I told myself, believe it or not, I wasn't fulfilled, which is why I love researching you and, and, and what you've done, because I feel that I've given so much of my life to building a career that I've, you know, been so narrow that the other things that fulfilled me, um, I didn't focus on. And so I don't like to live life without regrets. Mm-hmm. And so then what do I love? I love sports. So we're, we're tapping into a sports management agency. All right. So we, yeah, so we, you are. Yeah. So we already launched that. Um, you, you know, Comidazo, you've heard of it. Comidazo. Gonna, yeah. Yes. But our people's here having, well, tell me what Comidazo is. Yeah. So Comidazo is basically, I'm trying to build the next U.S. Latino food network. Not where it's just your mom and dad, only your mom and dad's recipes, but it's like the progression. Mm-hmm. We, we, you and I were talking earlier what you had for a week because you loved it. And it was, <laughs> it was quinoa and salmon. But you're like Mexican AF and you're like, yo, we can have quinoa and salmon. Yeah. Because I think there's opportunity in, let's just say, BS, right? I, I, anything we do. I don't mind when people are ignorant. I really don't. Especially when it comes to culture, because there's, that means there's an opportunity for us to educate, educate people and rewrite it. So people get mad. You know, Gordon Ramsay goes to Puerto Rico and he makes the wrong pegao. I'm like, yo, why do you yell at him? Why don't you find a way to talk to him? Because people are allowed to make mistakes. They are, man. But you got so much patience for that. Because on the contrary side to that, <laughs> it's hard sometimes, though. Nipsey, because said, you... Nipsey said it best. It's a marathon, not a sprint. Uh, not, it ain't that the truth. <laughs> but but, but it, you, know, you, you apply that. And so you have Comidazo, for all those viewers, is going to be the next you know, kind of network for us. La gente que se mira como nosotros, que comen los nosotros, que le gustan salir, que vienen de diferentes raíces, diferentes Latinoamérica. And that's what I love. That's what we did at NAREP. We were the only organization, like, if you go to any other organization, it's always one-sided towards a culture. Mm-hmm. I can honestly say that NAREP or Latitude, there it's an umbrella de toda la cultura. You want to see Venezuelans? You want to see what a Cuban looks like? What a Chilean looks like? What a, you know, a Dominican looks like? Uh, Puerto Rican, Nicaragua, they're there. And that was by design. It was purposeful. Again, it, if we're here to talk <laughs> about purpose, 
this was purposeful. This was thoughtful. This was meaningful. This had a goal and a vision set to it. Mm -hmm. And, and what I personally am in so like in awe about with all of that is, I mean, uh, growing up around these parts, you know, you lack that representation. You lack that diversity. You're shown that the only spaces in which Latinos can exist is in the labor force that you see in the vineyards. Mm -hmm. And so how do we get outside of that? So to me, hearing you even just talk about how you're just like, oh, you want to meet Nicaragua? You want to meet a Chilean? You want to meet a da-da-da-da-da? Whoever else is on the list of of all these beautiful Latin-inspired... You know what you're going to find? What? There's more similarities than there are differences. 100%. 100%. But also, how great is it that you're going to get to meet people from so many parts around the world mm-hmm. to where you actually feel seen, though, right? Mm-hmm. And it goes back to the similarities, not the differences. And that's why, to me, it's so beautiful when we have organizations, businesses, uh, whatever you want to call them, that literally represent la gente. 100%. And because our job is to, it's that baton, that relay of life. If we're going to just do what our parents did, that's not what they brought us here for. Mm. That's a harsh reality. Mm -hmm. Like if I want to be an eight to fiver, let me, they'll always love me, but they're not going to say, that's not what we came to this country. That's not what we sacrificed for. And if I one day grow up and I have kids and and they're doing the exact same thing I did, then I didn't do my job as a parent. Mm. You get what I'm saying? And so, um, yeah, it's about, showing the similarities and the reason why we build businesses and that's you know when you're in our culture we don't talk about building wealth right our parents didn't say that my mom actually was saying that so she was ahead of its curve but we don't talk about building wealth and we don't talk about money we think about changing the world and there's nothing wrong with that because you can do them you know parallel right making money is to provide options Making money is so that the future, gener- future generation doesn't suffer as much as we did mm-hmm. or doesn't have to go through the obstacles that our grandparents did. Mm-hmm. And so I want to start coining that, that it's okay to strive financially because you're doing it for generational wealth in this country. Yeah. You know, so yeah. anyways. Yeah. I almost feel like in the Latino world, because that, that's what I can speak to. You know, you said it exactly correct. You're not talking about money, primarily also because, uh, at least in my household where we grew up, you didn't have the money. You also don't have the resources to tap into for people to educate you on how to do better with whatever money you have, whether it's a lot or whether it's a little bit. And so you don't look at money as an investment. You look at it as this unattainable thing where you will do whatever you can to grab it. And then simultaneously, someone else is telling you that you're greedy for wanting it. Exactly. Even though it's just like, why can't we strive and be happy to finding success through money so that we can break some of these generational Mm -hmm. obstacles that we've put ourselves in this perpetual cycle of uh, financial violence, of Mm -hmm. a whole bunch of other, you know, challenges. Let's let's face it. If, if, if you, your family doesn't make that much money like we did growing up. There's a high, higher crime rate in lower income areas. Mm-hmm. And my father busted his ass and my mother busted their ass to work two jobs so we can get out of the hood. Um, they didn't call it the hood. They just said a better area, a mm-hmm. safer area. You know, mm-hmm. nowadays we're, we're quick to label things when really you just want to do better. You know, mm-hmm. and so that's a little bit of everything that my mother raised me on. And my father in my later years, I, may, may say, I don't care how much money you make. Siempre ser humilde. 
Siempre hay que hacer humildad. I know that's something that you definitely preach throughout uh, everything that you do, whether it's the brands that you're a part of, yeah. whether it's you just saying good morning to people on Instagram. You're like, gente linda. Mm -hmm. Like, let's be humble. Let's S get it. Smile and, and remind yourself that we're blessed. And we are so blessed, right? Mm -hmm. Bendecida. I'm repping mm -hmm. one of your t-shirts right now that you yep. started under your Tito's Mundo label. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit about that. Ooh, How'd that come to fruition? I'm going to be real. It's the first time I'll go on record. Um, <laughs> oh, I feel so blessed right now. Yeah. Well, there's two, two incidents that made me want to do it one when obama became president i get chills thinking about it because what it did for the black community was that now i could be president of the united states that's beautiful mm -hmm. i don't have to go another route and then when trump got elected when trump got elected i realized hope uh in our community was shot right he came off disparaging latinos and latinos don't have an obama Latinos don't have a Jay-Z. Latinos don't have a Diddy. And so I want to provide inspiration because if we don't have an Obama, a Diddy, a Jay, then at least I could teach a mindset. The fact that that's what our grandparents said to us, but we're like making it cool to rock it, that we believe in achieving dopeness. We believe in buena vibra. We believe that everything we do Dale sabor. We, everything was purposeful, as you say. Mm -hmm. I can believe, I can become lo que yo deseo. Absolutely. That one was my first line. Because if I get second graders like me in ESL to think that they can become whatever they desire to be, then we didn't really need a president or a Jay-Z or a Diddy yet. And so I started that. And I remember what I said. The, the why is there. Then the how is important. And so the dropship era. I, it got me into fashion, and so I started doing dropship. Instead of buying a whole, you know, 10-year lease and, and, and equipment and paint and shirts and holding the inventory and going to, you know, Chinatown, I'm like, let me take advantage of technology, you know, and so dropship came. So it was cool. And then with social media, so when your parents grew up and my parents grew up, or maybe us when we were young, we didn't have social media. Right. So our paths cannot be the same. And so I had to leverage social media because I realized I had a following. I realized that I was following people And so that's how Tito's Mundo created. It's a little bit of my world. It was, it was my cousin Carla who said, Tito, you, you can't be afraid of social. She's the one that was always pushing me. Believe it or not, I'm an introvert. Like, I think we talked that you didn't believe me, but <laughs> hey, man, so Tito, you have he to do this. He doesn't come across as an introvert, yeah. let me tell you that. So we did Tito's Mundo, and, I, and, I, and I, you know, from a, from a fashionable standpoint, I didn't see anything that was Spanglish that called to me that was fly. You know, like how cool is it to be on stage Um, at a club or on stage speaking to a thousand people and you're rocking a sport coat, some good sneaks and a bendecido shirt. You don't see don't, that because we're, we're taught to let me rock Gucci. Let me rock, rock this. Yeah, that's someone else's. That's not it's not mindset. And so that's how that little passion project created. And there's this guy in New York, uh, De La Vega, who's a genius, uh, who used to have a shirt that said, become your dream. Mm. He would have shirts like the king is sometimes a wolf and then he would express man. So the king is sometimes a woman because his mother raised him. Or, you know, we, I think we said we, we have so much to unlearn or this moment is more precious than you think. Mm. And I remember saying to him like, yo, this shit is dope. And then he stopped producing. And so then I'm like, I needed to fill my soul. And that's how I created the mundo because of that. Life. Now he came back into the scene and, and we're friends now and it's an honor. But there was those two things, the Obama, the Trump, And De La Vega, 
who made me want to create it and the lack of non-corny shit for Latinos. You know? <laughs> Let's face it, I'm not going to wear, you know, I'm not going to knock anybody support them, but a lot of stuff is corny. And so I was like, okay, when there's opportunity, you got to catch up on that. You can't hate, you just got to create that opportunity. Absolutely. And and you've definitely done that. And I think, uh, you know, it, it goes back to what you said, that mindset and how you can live and breathe and truly be everything that you've said, whether it's with uh, La Vida's Bendecida, whether it's Buena Vibra, mm-hmm. Achieving dopeness which i see you rocking all the time i love that you have a shirt the original one that was i can become lo que yo deseo and you mix it up and make it spanglish because that's what we were raised with you, you have know to. you have your it's chicanoismo you mm-hmm. have your latino roots but then you also have you know the fact that we were raised here in america and you know you mm-hmm. start learning english and then you kind of veer away from talking spanish mm-hmm. and then it all just blends together you go to, uh, you go and to it's your, who you are you go to your grandma's house or any grandma's house, they're going to say bendiciones. Mm-hmm. So for me, sometimes when I see the older people look at my shirt and they look twice, I mean, that's pretty dope. You know, it's not how many t-shirts I sell. It's like how many grandmas or grandfathers can say, wow, que lindo, hijo. Que lindo. Gabi, te pones esta camisa, mm-hmm. you know? Que lindo. One time I'm in New York, I'm at Cipriani, uh, Grand Central Station, my boy G, G Money, Gary Acosta. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, yo. I see a shirt. I can become. I go. That's my shirt. So I like a crackhead. I run after that person. <laughs> he said like a crackhead. Yeah, and I say, hey, real quick, where'd you get that shirt? And of course, in New York, they're looking like they looked like I was, you know, trying to jack them. And he goes, yeah, it's Santito's. Mu-. He stops. He goes, you're Tito. <laughs> right? And so that was cool that I was in New York. Um, and the second one, I was in In and Out Burger in Richmond in the hood. And I remember I walk in, and the, and the cashier goes. This is on me. I go, what do you mean? He goes, you're Tito's Mundo, man. My sister and I love your shirts. And he shows me the shirts. And I'm like, that's so cool. That's so I'm not, cool. I'm not like a big, big designer. But if it reaches and it impacts certain people, I'm happy with it. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, you're getting recognized for it. So I think you hit your impact mark right there. Yeah. Was- I like that for you. Again, impact isn't also about the notoriety. It isn't about how... You know, it's it's not self-interest by any means. Yeah. Everything from, you know, the time that I've gotten to know you, you're a very humble individual. And yet you're surrounded by all of these powerhouse names in your company. You yourself are a powerhouse name, whether it comes to everything that you're doing as a chef, the different businesses and restaurants that you're opening up, the different business opportunities that you're launching with some of your, you know, um, incredible friends who are also renowned sport athletes. It's just like, where do you gather grounding yourself or where do you gather, you know, just a, a lot of the humbleness? I feel like that would be hard to to do when you really start getting to that kind of a level. Going back to what my father always said, if I became this different personality because of the money or the status, my mom and dad still look at me the same. Mm. Like, you're still Armando Jose. You're still my oldest son. My validation, I don't think, is status of society. My validation is, can I make my father proud? My mm-hmm. mother and father proud, right? So you have to be grounded. But it's in my DNA. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree, right? So if I had shitty parents, I would probably be a higher ratio to be a shittier dude. Mm-hmm. You know, and so <laughs> siempre humilde, I would be a comemierda myself, a gente fea, if I was not who I say I am. Mm-hmm. Or if you look at my stories, I post what I want people to know about me 
because you can control social media and it's pretty much 70% the same and it's not to show off it's to it's my accountability it's in letting people into your world yeah yeah I wake up and shit I'm lazy sometimes I sleep in but I know that I have to achieve certain things execute so I have to do my cardio I have to do my reflection of gratitude I have to think about what I need to get done Mm -hmm. and then I have to measure myself am I being productive or busy that's why I'm always kind of challenging when, when we can spend time together and say, let's be productive and not busy, mm-hmm. you know, because if you're productive and you know what the three year game is, you'll never be busy or miserable in your life. Because if you're loving what you do, you're never working. So it's far, it's hard when you tell me, oh, I'm working a lot. I'm like, yeah, but you love what you do. Yeah. So you then, know? and that's why we, and that's why I tell you, you know, that's why I keep doing what I do, whether 100%. it's two jobs, three jobs, four jobs. Yes. It's work at the end of the day, but when it's really something that you enjoy doing, mm-hmm. you don't want to step away from that. No, no. Stepping away from that would almost feel like you're cheating yourself out of it. Yeah. They, they said that if you, if you focus on, you know, passion to profession, that means taking what you love into making a career, mm. you'll, you'll give it more time. But if you're doing something for work, you don't like, and you stay, then that's the definition of insanity. Facts. So yeah, what you're doing, educating the community and how you got into it and the voice that you have in this, you know, beautiful station, that's, that's mad props because imagine if there was a thousand of you out there together, Impact. imagine writing the narrative, rewriting the narrative, rewriting the narrative. And, and inspiring these bloggers to become journalists and journalists to become hosts like you. you, you need that. And that's why I've been lucky as a young minority to get involved with an organization that Gary created because Gary grew up differently. He didn't grow up where I was raised, you know, as an immigrant, he grew up already here. And so I learned through him. I always want to be the dumbest and brokest in the room because it takes a discipline to know you're the dumbest. doesn't mean you're dumb. You're just the dumbest and the brokest because there's only one way to go up. You get what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So para me, I look at the, like I walk in, I'm like, yo, this is legit. And for someone so young, so raw, you're just at 20% of what you can achieve. And that's crazy because we have social media now. There are social injustice. There is wealth building. There is a diversity within Latinos already. Why do you think, you know, you, we don't have a Tyler Perry for Latinos? Because we're still worried about what we're going to be called. Mm. We're still worried that why is Rosario Dawson playing Dolores Huerta, que Boricua? We're still worried that Le-Manuel can't cast, you know, Afro-Latinos. Yo, he did Hamilton. Are we forgetting that he did Hamilton? Are, why can't we even have a conversation? Why do we our own people have to boycott him? You know, and so son cosas así that you helped me realize that if there's anything I can kind of look back a little bit is maybe change the way people think. I don't want them to have an opinion like me, but I want them to think before they act. Mm. And that is not act a fool. Gordon Ramsay goes to Puerto Rico. You think he's ever going to go back when every Puerto Rican is mad that he didn't cook the rice properly? And so son cosas así that I call out. Like even this morning with Marco Rubio. Look, I think, you know, it won't you know clown but when he's right he's right and someone like aoc who's a g sometimes she's you know ill-advised and so we have to be able to have a conversation without fighting i think and that's what it always boils down to right is how do you have the conversation because when you can't have the conversation then no one is learning from one another no one is literally absorbing or trying to place themselves in someone else's shoes and that's not me saying by any means if someone is a an effed up a-hole that you're supposed to tolerate a conversation hell no you know exactly when to see yourself out of that situation but when it comes to someone that's just like 
you just want to like shake them and be like, you're just ignorant and you just like need to have a convo with someone. Like you want to take the time. You want to shed some light on them. You want to know that, yo, I can switch that mindset simply by engaging in a conversation with you and having you step into my shoes Mm -hmm. because we took the time to engage in real dialogue. Yeah, absolutely. If we care about that person, then we should definitely take that extra step. 100%. 100%. But sometimes, you know, if someone come in that racist, then <laughs> you just don't give them that power. <laughs> exactly. We don't want to deal with any of those come mierdas. Yeah. Um, why is essentially, and you've touched up on this a little bit, then what you do, and I, and I say that very broadly because you do so much, so important to you. And what do you value in terms of the impact of that outside of self? Because my mother made sure that I was always in the culture and dancing. Uh, and she also, you know, she's retired, but she still does food. She was an insurance executive. But she does because she loves it, not because she needs to. Mm-hmm. And so I realized that I've been giving the opportunity whether I like it or whether I want it or not, to impact people. And I think it's even worse if I don't do it. Si yo hago unas cosas en comida, with comidazo, with paladar, with sifu in New York, um, if I do something with Pantera, you know, if I don't do something with Pantera, if I don't do something with Latitude, all those things impact our community. Mm. Y si yo no lo hago, I think God's going to say, I gave you a second chance because 20 years ago I had a cancer scare. So I don't think I'm an angel, but I definitely don't want to ride that line that, oh, yeah, God gave you a second chance. You know that you're not no giving back. Nada. Yeah. So a lot of that drives me and you're bringing that out in me. Like, I don't bring it out. Like, I don't want I want to be this tough guy. Right. <laughs> but I think if I don't do it, I'm going to regret my life, you know. And so when we talk about the sports management agency, it's not about being an agent. It's about helping Latino American kids coming from Colombia, Panama, Mexico, learn the language, learn, go to college. And if they don't make it, they go back to their country educated. They learn dual languages or they go to the NBA. So, and you had a direct access in their success impact and it's opportunity in this country. Mm-hmm. If I create paladar or Sifu and it becomes the next Chipotle, then I'm already going to mark it down 30% less than the actual franchise that you're going to buy into. Because my parents came, my mother was educated, but those degrees don't translate. Don't They don't transfer here. Mm-hmm. So you have to go back to that. So yep. if you're a Latino and you come to this country, especially if you're an asylum applicant, uno tiene la oportunidad to become a tax preparer instead of working at McDonald's, at Taco Bell, the way our family had to. So if we can help a family avoid that by saying I can now buy a Paladar franchise, a Sifu franchise, a become a tax preparer. Just having that knowledge. We didn't have that. We just had my mother who had balls. Yeah. You know, and so that's why, you know, going back to your question, that's what drives me so much is that if I don't do it, I will regret my life and I can't live with regret. That missed opportunity. Yeah, I've been given a second chance uh, at life and I can't. I can't let that down. It sucks. Well, I didn't know about that. I, first of all, I'm really happy that you're here. Yeah. But I feel you on that so much. Now, I, I've never been in that situation of having a scare like that. But I do know what it's like to go through painful, impactful moments that have you mm-hmm. ask what? yourself, like, I'm being given a second chance. So when you what are you going to do with when it? When we hung at Akiraku and you shared your story unexpectedly, it was a it was a connection 
You get what I'm saying? And that's why I doubled down on that because there's not too many people that go through certain situations like we had near death. And it, it helps, even though I'm okay, even though you've moved on, it's still un dolor profundo, right? 100%. And so when you talk to people that have that, it's easier. And so that's what attracted me to like, whoa, okay. Gabby tremenda persona and and sometimes I need a kick in the butt. Sometimes when you're like, what's the good in social media? And then I give you my response and you're like, oh, you're right. I thought you were gonna come with some geeky business. <laughs> it keeps me grounded. It keeps me grounded. So you don't think that it, every message we give each other is impactful. It totally is. It more is, than you think. It is a hundred percent. And that's why it's also so good to like make these connections and be in these circles and create that impact because growing up, I wasn't ever influenced by any of those circles. I didn't have the knowledge that these circles even existed. And now it's gente como nosotros mm -hmm. who recognize this gap and are like, we cannot let the next generation not have access to yeah, something we don't, like we this. We don't choose. A lot of people choose. That's why you fake, people fake the funk, right? I want to inspire people. The best way to inspire people was by leading by example. Mm -hmm. Don't think you're going to save us. So, so the same criticism I have is like, you and I really, like, on our level, like, straight up, we don't have the choice to not want to lead. We don't, we, 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 we weren't dealt those cards. There's a reason you're at a radio station. There's a reason you want to help people organically during the fires. And there's a reason why I've been able to work at a business trade association and create these businesses. And if I don't, you and I don't give it back, I mean, shit. Judgment Day for real, <laughs> like yo, I'm, I'm like Papa Chu. Like Casey's the look at the D. All yeah. of it, Casey's the con eso, and that's exactly. what my mom always used to say. And that's the same sentiment that again, why you and I just vibe so easily from the beginning is because I grew up with a mother who was a refugee in this country who told me that if you are given an opportunity, whatever that looks like, if you don't turn right back around and figure out a way mm -hmm. to help sprinkle that and make it easier for someone else. Gastaste lo que alguien te dio, la oportunidad, whatever it, that is. It's actually worse, right? The worst thing you can do is not do anything when you can. When That's, you take the elevator, you send the elevator back down. Yep, 100%. And you ensure that other people are always coming up with you. 100%. I try. I try. It's not easy, but I try, you know? And that's why I embrace when I meet people like you. When we meet like-minded people, because I do believe that you attract what you reflect. 100%. Right? I feel that there's a, if, if there's a thousand of us across the country, I said to you when we had dinner, if there's a thousand of us across the country, we could really make some real good change. 100%. Because I admire the youth today that want to make a change for society, but I also know at some point that responsibilities come, a family comes, a kid comes. So, so take it from me on that aspect, but I also learn from the youth on how I can do more, mm -hmm. you know? And so shout out to my boy Irv, who was big during BLM. Irv was criticized for speaking, you know, so so deep on BLM, on something that hurt him. And he was complimenting me the other day on how I've become a little bit more vocal on that. And I said, believe it or not, that came from you. Because I realized I was too silent with the amount of influence that I have. So, you know, when I find people like you who are knowledgeable in it, I have to embrace it because you have a knack for it. And so shout out to Irv for, for, for reminding me on that. <laughs>
And this is what I mean by the circles in which we operate in, always making sure that we can connect, right? We we do more good when we're able to connect, when we're able to build our circles, when we find like-minded individuals. I know you have certainly found a lot of people in your circle that you've been inspired by. I'm curious to know who else, you know, inspires you and has really driven you to be the individual that you are today. I've heard about your mom. I've heard about your dad. You know, did it just come from them or are there, you know, other outlets where you continuously draw your inspiration from? I'm always wanting to be present in the moment because you never know who's going to impact your life. Mm. And so my mother laid a foundation personally and a work ethic, my father rounded it up what perfection would be, what it would be for me, because there's no such thing as perfection. But along the way, there are mentors like Gary Acosta, you know, who built the largest business trade association for Latinos. You know, I was telling him today, it had to be you, because if it was your typical Latino, you know how Latino organizations get. What's a typical Latino? So uh, typical Latino organizations don't, don't, don't make an impact. They don't, they don't, they're not policymakers to do it. They're protesters and they bring awareness, but we need more than that. Action and results. Like that's when I told you when I met you and I'm like, okay, you can really get shit done because you come grassroots, but you can also communicate effectively, you know? And I see that because I'm in that world of trying to make change at policy. Yeah. That's a solution. That's not a band-aid. No, I know. And I happen to have the pleasure of meeting your friend who's heavily involved in policy at Capitol Hill. And that's local, right? And so that's local. And that's because I took the time to see, okay, that's what you do. So I'm like, yo, let's break bread, right? But nationally, you know, there's someone else you got to meet too. But so anyway, so Gary Acosta was big in that. And it's just, I I got lucky. I think you create your own luck because... Gary was big on Latino businesses and building wealth. Gary was big on having a seat at the table, create change and policy for Latinos. But he also loves basketball. So when he met George, you know, at Veritas, which is, you know, on the topic, Mm -hmm. it was a natural fit because George is doing for these Latin American kids that no one else is doing, you know. And so that is the you have to be open to when God will put people in your life, Mm -hmm. you know, so whether you like me or not, or I'm too business for you, there's a reason God put us together, right? No, I'm just kidding. But (laughs) so there's Gary Acosta, then there's Earl Watson. Earl Watson's the first. Earl Watson. Earl Watson is the first, you know, Afro-Latino head coach of the NBA Mm -hmm. and former NBA player. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter what life he had in the NBA he is so connected because his grandparents were undocumented. He grew up in Kansas and he overcame a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And now he's, so he's not an NBA player to me. He's a mentor, mm-hmm. right? Doug Rodriguez, because we talk about the food. Doug Rodriguez is like the creator of Nuevo Latino. Because of him, there is $30 ceviches, which we're probably going to spend today, right? Because, <laughs> because, that's true. because he made it possible. And so you have to be open. Then there was Nick, a stockbroker that when I was doing stocks for a little bit, you he know. He did all the things. Well, because remember, my mother made sure I was never on the streets. Mm-hmm. My mother made sure that instead of, you know, being out of school, I would be doing something. So 
you have to be present to accept the mentors that'll come into your life. I think that's the best I can say. Well, and accountability to when they do come into your life, knowing that it's up to you on whether or not you're going to take advantage of that, right? Because someone can make themselves available. You can sit here and be like, let me be your mentor. If you have questions, da 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 like pick my brain. But if I never come to you, if I never am also self-accountable and ensuring and tapping into the resources that are given to me, I'm also doing myself a disservice. So to some yeah. extent, extent it's a 50 50 relationship it got it has, it has to, to be go win win it yes. has to be win win right because if i was just using you for a voice or learning from you and not giving something back then it probably wouldn't flourish into something more impactful mm -hmm. you know and you've taught me that word because before it was just doing the right thing and now you've taught me purposeful and impactful um and so it doesn't matter how old i am i just learn well, we're students of life. hundred percent students of life. <laughs> I know I've thrown you off from the agenda. We don't have an agenda. What are you talking <laughs> about? Kidding, but I, I know, you know, let's take it back to, again, the culinary space, because I know you're so heavily involved in that, whether it's, you know, through business developments with Paladar, mm. uh, whether Sifu, shout out to Sifu. There you go. <laughs> um, or whether it's through other business initiatives, whether it's through your own as, as your you being a chef, but also there's inspiration from that besides Besides just your mom, that dates all the way back to your abuelos and your abuelas back in Nicaragua. Can you talk to me a little bit about Restaurante Chop Suey, which, uh, yeah. you know, I don't think anybody has ever heard about in terms of uh, mixing both the Chinese and the Latino in there. Yeah, well, but we got it. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, you know, obviously when immigration comes to another country, one of the many things they bring with them is the food of their, their country mm -hmm. because that's what they get used to. So my mm -hmm. grandfather in 1955 started Chop Suey Restaurant in Nicaragua, where they were serving chop suey, que es un plato típico de la China, with whatever they had access to in Nicaragua. And then, of course, Nicaraguan food, because we're in Nicaragua. So my papatán and Mama Ana opened that restaurant in 1955. To this day, it's owned by my cousin and my aunt. Still in the family. Uh, still in the family 60 years later. Um, that's amazing. And so that's why sometimes I come off politically incorrect because I don't believe in the word fusion. Fusion is someone, an outsider, <laughs> saying, let me connect uh, mole with uh, pulpo or quail. i rather <laughs> you say, I want to combine flavors. And so I don't want to be ignorant when I say I'm not confusion, because I do appreciate people exploring different foods. And so Chop Sweet, my grandfather started it. So I grew up with fried rice and queso frito. I grew up with rice and beans and steamed fish and ginger. And so... But that didn't inspire me to get into food. What inspired me to get into food was I realized what food did to people. I realized that food was a bridge. Mm. I realized that food has no walls. You know? Yeah. You can call it carne desmenuzada. We can call it that. Cubans call it ropa vieja. You know, Moronga, Nicaraguans and Mexicans. Um, I realized there were so many different ways because when I was in, stock, in stocks, they would teach us, like, yo, you're going to control the client. So when I walk in, hey, where's the bathroom? You're answering to me. Give me a glass of water. You're answering to me. I'm like, that's kind of rude. I remember walking in. Oh, you're Indian. Oh, what sauce is that? Oh, you're Mexican. What sauce? Why is it a different color? A different chile. I realized that food had just open access to get to know someone organically. Mm -hmm. And so, like I told you earlier, if, if everything I do that I love, it'd be nice to make money off of it so that I can continue to do it. Passion to profession, right? Mm -hmm. And that's where the love of that grew. You know, Sifu is with Dominicans in New York. 
So, of course, we're going to do the Kong Kong, right? But I'm a Chinese Nicaraguan from the Bay Area. How am I going to know that? <laughs> well, I have to research that. So, right. food makes you... Re- so, Kong Kong is that crispy rice. You might call it crispy rice or pegao or tostadito, whatever. But in, in, in New York or Washington Heights, they call it pegao. So, we're going to make a healthy concept that's delicious paying tribute to that neighborhood. Mm. When you got Paladar in Santa Fe Springs, we're mixing. It's very important for me to see who the people are to give them what they want, but also expand, mm. right? So there are very few Caribbeans in, in L.A. So I'm going to introduce to them a tostón, you know, un patacón. And uh, we're going to call it tostonazo because I don't want people saying, that's not a patacón. I'm from Colombia. I'm from Ben. <laughs> so I'm like, yo, it should be good. I'm going to call it something else yeah. then. <laughs> so we're bringing picadillo. You know, we're bringing in, you know, ropa vieja. We're bringing in jerk vegetables because just because you and I are Latinos, look, like jerk vegetables, there's people who don't eat meat, but flavor still got to be there. And I love Jamaica, man. And I, and so that's my tribute. But instead of making jerk, jerk chicken or jerk pork, let me make jerk veggies. You know, with grilled cheese. I grew up in the Bay, so I love grilled cheese, right? So it's a grilled cheese jerk veggie sandwich. How banging is that? And it's measured. So a nutritionist knows how much calories it is. It's veggie-based, and everyone gets a salad. Mm-hmm. So anyways, going back to your question, you have to be present to accept the mentors, the food, my passion, the profession is always behind my mind because I can educate people, but I need, it's just been a challenge of mine as a kid. You know, you, you have hobbies. My hobbies was, can I make what I love some side money? It, it, when I was salsa dancing, I didn't want to salsa dance, so I started teaching private lessons, started running nightclubs. Then all of a sudden, I'm making like 60, 70,000 a year just dancing. Just dancing. You know, yeah, but I need to have a cap. That's only one thing that he did. Yeah, that had a cap. So that that's basically the question is that if you say, hey, yo, let's love wine, then I'm going to say, okay, cool. How much does it cost? How much can we sell it? I have a distribution. Maybe we can do that because why not? I think Juan <laughs> Martinez, I remember Juan Martinez says to me, you, you can do this and you can do that. And I said, why? He goes, why not? So, so Juan. That was it. I love that. I think we should ask ourselves a lot more often, why not? I think we put too many barriers in our own positions, oftentimes too, también. So I'm right in line with you there. I I keep going back to this question in my head, just hearing you talk. And, you know, you're just like always all about how can I capitalize on what I'm doing and make money? And I feel like anybody can want that for themselves, right? Mm, Everybody can want to be like, how can I make money? But how do you go from point A to point B? How have you figured that aspect out? A lot of it is basically a different industry, but it's the same ethic, right? So you, for example, remember when I walked in, the first thing I said, okay, so you guys do ad sales. And you're like, yeah, we promote all the events, yada, yada, yada. In my mind, I'm just trained to walk into a restaurant and, or, or an establishment and look, what's the revenue look like? It, you know, I was obsessed with the mob when I was young and stupid <laughs> shit. And I remember and I remember they were talking about John Gotti and they said one thing about John Gotti, he'd walk into a place and people were like, Let's get the hell out of here. And he's like, Hold up, do you see what this place grosses? And I remember being obsessed with as a kid, dumb, but it always when I walk into a place, that's the first thing I look at is what's the revenue look like? I get excited by it because I go to a restaurant, okay, how many tables? Seven 70 chairs, okay, cool. How many times do we turn over? What's the average ticket price? You know, I look in here, what's the ad space? Do you, you realize know? no one thinks like that? I shouldn't <laughs> say no one. Very few, Very few. people yeah, yeah, think yeah. like that. 
Yeah, no, same thing with the wine. So shout out to Luis Surcos and Jesus Ortega <laughs> because they're great winemakers. And then I, you know, I'm always going to ask them, so how much does it cost per palette? How many cases? How many bottles? What's the price on the rosé to the reds? Okay, cool. So if you've got to make a living, you're going to need X amount. How many do we have to sell? And can we sell that much? It's just in me because what happens? One, it's a passion of mine. Two, you impact that person's life. Mm-hmm. You know, these are talented winemakers that came during the Bracero. Her grandparents came to the Bracero program, which was ironic because I didn't know what it was. Here, I grew up in the Bay, but I was so busy, you know, you clowning me. And I took the time to be present. I realized their stories. And I'm like, wait, so let me get this straight. The United States made a treaty with Mexico to bring your grandparents over. To work. And then this, you know, payaso. We want to talk about deporting everybody. Right. But I also realized that during the Bracero program, it was natural to have good red wine with mole, with chile. I didn't know that. Nowadays, it's like fine dining. And I'm like, you guys been doing this shit for 50 years? Well, and that's the part that bothers me, right? Is because, okay, so me, aside from obviously working in the studio and and being the first Latina producer at this radio station. And, you know, I had to toot my own horn real quick. Shout out. It's something that I wear very pridefully. But aside from that, I'm heavily ingrained in the wine space. Y lo que siempre me da just like that, like, like anger is whenever I hear people talk about when it comes to food and wine, how it has to be this very elevated American traditional cuisine. And I'm like, y'all don't understand Mm -hmm. how food, real food with real sabor, with Mm -hmm. real cultura how well that actually pairs with wine. Because there's a stigma that you can't take something as finessed mm-hmm. and elegant yeah. and structured yeah. as wine and put it with something Tacos. that's... Exactly. When I'm just like, do you know how mm-hmm. many hours mm-hmm. some people spend literally just braising and mm-hmm. cooking the meat, the spices that go and into the this? Of the Your tacos should mm-hmm. not be two dollars. Mm-hmm. Your tacos should really be more like ten dollars for each taco. If we're talking about labor, mm-hmm. if we're talking about spices, yep. if we're talking about literally natural ingredients, right? But we we've been trained as we've a society yep. to think that this food should be considered cheap, less than, and with no value. You and somehow the, that equates to not being able to stand up to something as finessed as mm-hmm. a glass of red wine from Napa Valley. And that's just not true. It's not true. But with social media and not but and with social media, we're able to take that ignorance and provide opportunity for those who get it. Right. Mm-hmm. So, for example, uh, Anthony Bourdain, everyone love Anthony Bourdain. He said it. He goes, we have to accept that we as Latinos give out chips and salsa for free when the white people charge $12 and people pay for chips and dip. They so do. he said, so he said, so Mexicans have to take accountability for that. And I realized that, oh shit, that's true. You know? And so, yeah, the chiles of Mexico are amazing. Mm-hmm. And so anyway, so that is how I, I look at something and I'm like, Oh, we could, we could do something good. And, and I realized that it can impact their life and it can fulfill my soul then why not do it? So that's how I walk into a room is, what's the revenue here? Okay, cool. I'm already thinking like five years is what you can have because the rent here and the equipment. It's just crazy how I think. Sometimes. But I love it. I love it. I love every section of it. Yeah. What would you say then it means, and we've talked about this reoccurring theme about impact and purpose. What does living purposefully then mean to you? Yeah, so that was something. Living purposely means that if tomorrow's never promised. So whatever you do, if it's the last thing you're going to do on this earth, is that something you're willing to do? 
So I wake up every morning. I have my cafecito. I think of my mother and father. If I die during the morning, I'm doing what I want to do. It ain't driving in traffic, going to eight to five. I don't like. Right? <laughs> if I'm going to be building out paladar and seafood and comidazo because it, it gives opportunity for Latinos, it brings communities closer on our, diff- our our commonalities versus differences, and it you know educates more Latinos. I'm good with that. Mm-hmm. If it's you know touching, impacting these two kids from from Colombia or Mexico for for the sports management agency and trying to become a Jay-Z for Latinos. If I die doing that, I'm okay. So that's your question. What living purposeful is to me is que si yo me voy a morir, I better be doing what I love to do. It better not be some shit I don't like. I love that. Yeah. I love that. May we all find more inspiration to live purposefully and to take those risks because I think oftentimes we're trying to chase that dollar and the dime uh, to make ends meet. And there's nothing wrong with that, but you know, you can only go so far. Yeah. You can still do that and live purposefully. So how do we all inspire one another to do the latter, to, to be able to create the dollar, but still be able to do what we love. Yeah. And I'll say this in closing, the number one thing someone can do is to be hard on themselves on who their circle is. Because you become an average of the people that you spend most of your time with. So that's the hardest thing to adjust is upgrading your circle of influence. You know, and, and that's so, hard sometimes because it means hard. it means literally <laughs> cutting relationships and you feel guilty sometimes because you're family. just like sometimes it's family. A lot of times but it's family. A, a lot of times it's gonna be family. A lot of times it's gonna be people that you've known literally since you were maybe five years old. It doesn't but it mean, doesn't mean you owe somebody something to be tied to them for the rest of your and life. And it doesn't mean you can't love them. That's how I've learned to accept it. It doesn't mean I can't love my underachieving cousin who will rename, will keep nameless. <laughs> um, it just means that when I'm in a sponge mode, 80% of your time should be sponge mode. 20% of your time should be being you, being that little Gabby. Being, What's sponge mode? Sponge mode being absorbing, man. Okay. Absorbing. Like, well, like, us, we're going to hang out more. And then 80% of the time, you're in a sponge mode, right? Because you 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 want to learn. And I'm going to be 80% in a sponge mode because I'm going to want to learn about the activism. And then we're uh, all learning from each other. 100%. But if I spend time smoking cigars with the same guys that I really don't have anything like that we can build together, then I'm, a, I'm wasting myself, mm-hmm. you know? And it doesn't mean that I'm above them. It just means I'm going to school. I got to, school doesn't have to be books and college. No, 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 never. School is this shit, yeah. Yeah, conversation. Mm-hmm. Again, getting to know someone. What have been some of your uh, favorite projects that you've worked on with all of the different resources that you've had access to and the impact you've been able to make? You know, for such a long time, I've been a really dope-ass cook, but I've been afraid to get into the business. <laughs> Toot that horn, yes. Oh, no, no, I, I don't, don't get it twisted. Like, I could, I could I, I'm one of the, like, dopest, but I've also been, had the most fear. And so launching Paladar is my first food project. And I've been a dope chef for a long time. So that's been good. Uh, two, you know, when we get, when we impact these kids from Latin America to get a, you know, D1 college offer, that would be good. Uh, three, it wasn't until recent that my mother and father were here for two and a half months. And uh, I realized, you know, humbly saying this, I saw a look in their eyes that they were proud of me. I love that. Yeah. So I get emotional. So I'm going to. 
Stop right there and We're change the subject. The, antes de que empecemos <laughs> a, a llorar, because I know yeah. if I see someone crying, I'll start crying Yeah, too. yeah. So, so those are the three main points. Um, because at the end of the day, those are the things, those are, those are legacies, mm. right? And so there, when I had cancer surgery, I remember I was sad that my mom wasn't crying, you know, and, and it's because she put faith first mm. and she wanted to be strong for me. We don't always see it like that in that moment. Though. Exactly. I was selfish. I wanted her to cry like she loved me. But anyway, so those are the three accomplishments. Um, and I got two more that I want to achieve. You know, I want to start a family. I want to, you know, take a break on a vacation without a work trip and uh, <laughs> go learn how to do an asado in Malbec, Argentina, or learn how to make a, a gravy or sauce with some lady named Nona in, in Italy, in Europe, <laughs> wearing linen pants flooded with, you know, spitterall shoes with, with a woman. And, and so those are the goals I want to achieve. Um, and they're not easy, but that's but paraphrasing. Oh, 100%. 100%. 100 possible. Yeah, I hope all of those things are brought to fruition for you because you are more than deserving and yeah. more than worthy of that. And if I know you, like I've gotten to know you and your mentality, I know I'm going to be seeing you doing all of those things. Yeah, you heard in it the here near first. Future. You heard it here first. But, <laughs> you know, it's uh, thank you for having me here. It's, I'm so uh, excited you're here. Armando Jose Tam, <laughs> for those of you who did not catch it at the beginning, don't you worry. We will definitely make sure that you are connected with him. How do people stay connected with you? Instagram's the best one. Tito's Mundo, which is like my world. A little bit of everything. So you'll, you'll just see everything what I do every day. Um, but Tito Mundo on Instagram, that's my main thing. I'm a little old, so I don't do the uh, TikTok and shit like that. Just, <laughs> I, I don't consider myself old, and I definitely don't consider you old, but oh, I don't cool. do TikTok oh, either. Cool. There you go. There you go. See, that's street cred for me now. Because people like Tito, you know, IG, I'm like, oh, that's all I got. I'm sorry. That's the only thing I have time for. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm exhausted with all of these other platforms yeah. that exist. Nah, any, and, and I respond to any DM that is uh, not weird. That's all. Because sometimes you get some weirdos out there and shit. But We'll uh, talk about that off the air. Yeah, exactly. 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 <laughs> Hey, Armando Jose Tam here with me on The Big Sip. Make sure you are following along on Instagram at Tito's Mundo. You will see him posting about all of the incredible projects he's involved in, whether it's with NAREP, whether it's with Veritas Training Academy, whether it's with his projects that he's doing with Comidazo, Paladar, the and brand Sifu, new Sifu. restaurant. And Sifu, absolutely. <laughs> I'm telling you, there are so many amazing things that this man is bringing to fruition. It's all for La Cultura. It's all for all of you. It's all to make sure we are amplifying that Latina voice because we need a space for that. Um, and always, 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 one thing that I've learned from you is to remain humble uh, and, and recognize que la vida es bendecida. Yeah, a.k.a. no sea una come mierda. <laughs> AKA no seas come mierda and if you don't know what that means Google all I'm gonna say it. is Google it yes <laughs> cheers salud salud gracias Big sip.